Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hollywood Live Extra with Tanya Hart. My guest today is someone I've known for a very long time. You know him as the man who founded Black Entertainment Television. Yep, I'm talking about the one and only Bob Johnson. Well, these days, the media mogul is focusing on another critical issue for Black America, reparations. Robert L. Johnson says because of slavery, every Black person in America is owed at least $340,000, and he's got a plan. Bob, welcome to Hollywood Live Extra. How how are you? Tanya, I'm good. Thanks for uh, arranging for me to talk with you. Oh, absolutely. And, well, here's the ironic thing, Bob, and we've kind of always been like this. I don't know if you realize, it was on June 9th, which is, we're actually uh, recording this today on June 9th, in 1989, when uh, the late Representative John Conyers actually put out a bill to form a commission to do a study to develop a reparations plan for America. So, and here we are on June 9th in 2020, and now Bob Johnson has picked up that baton and, and moved on with it. So let's just, first of all, for anybody who doesn't really understand what reparations are, could you just give us a kind of a brief uh, description of what reparations really means? Well, well let me try to, to make it uh, so people can understand in their everyday lives what reparations is. Uh, if you had a home... Uh, and someone broke into your house, took uh, all your personal possessions, uh, uh, attacked you, and left with everything that you hold dear in your life. And for years after that attack, you were unable to get back on your feet. You couldn't, you, you lost the money that they stole, which prevented you from buying a new home. Your, your damages that took place in your home, you couldn't afford to repair it. So you suffered from that incident. And under normal circumstances, what you would do, you would go to the courts and say, I've been damaged. I've been hurt. This is what happened to me. I didn't do anything. This was forced on me, and I want damages. And you would file a suit, and the court would look at it and say you were entitled to damages. It could be uh, monetary damages because you, your house was destroyed, your car was stolen. And it could be emotional damage because you were terrified, traumatized by someone doing this in a country where you thought you had, that you deserved to be treated equally. And so you would say, I want to be made whole. And whole would be in the form of monetary damages. That's what reparations is. If you, you take that same analogy and take it back to slaves, brought here against their will, brutally treated in slavery, 
after slavery entered into Jim Crow segregation, lynched, denied equal rights in housing and property and staying at restaurants and hotels, denied access to capital, inability to buy homes, send their kids off to college to better their lives. Police brutality continued as a way of protecting white property from uh, your, uh, from the things that you hold dear. Uh, if you were in the wrong neighborhood during Jim Crowism, you would be basically arrested by the police just for being in the wrong part of town. You didn't belong there. And so you add all of that to up. That is reparations. And it is it is saying that you are entitled to damage from the society that imposed those negative consequences on your life to be treated equally. And here's the interesting thing about all this, Bob. You know, the Japanese got reparations in 1988 under the Civil Liberties Act uh, for the time they spent in the internment camps here in this country. And good for them. I don't deny anybody anything that they're owed, but we're talking about 401 years there. So what, first of all, why did we not pick up on this in 88? I find it interesting. I'm just now looking at, in 1988, Japanese get reparations. 1989, John Conyers comes out and says, okay, we're going to do a study on this. And it took until George Floyd's death, almost, for people to, first of all, realize, oh, there's police brutality in the black community? Um, so what what is it that well, well, we... Well, Tanya, I think that is the quintessential question. And, and the fact of it is, white America is incapable, incapable of admitting to themselves the horror, the sin, the denial of equal rights that they have visited upon black people. Because the political parties fear that if they were to atone and make whole financially black people, the, the parties would oppose it and they would lose power. It is clearly a cost-benefit analysis. They look at this and they say, we have the black vote. This is a Democratic Party. We have the mm-hmm. black vote. They aren't pushing or threatening us with walking away from us if we don't do it. And the white part of our party is not demanding what, that we do it because we be did it, we lose the other part of the party. We'd be left with just a black vote and a few white, what I call 21st century abolitionist types. Mm-hmm. The Republican Party look at it and say, none of our people want to give black people reparations in the form of financial uh, uh, payments. So why should we do it? And we have no black support causing us to say, why not you consider this and we can talk. So at the end of the day, white America, there is no white people out there today marching for reparations the way they're marching for the late George Floyd. Because monetary power, when given to black people, is something, in their mind, far different than giving them police protection. And white America, in their DNA, they are incapable 
of admitting to the original sin of slavery and beyond, and there, and then from that, making black people whole by giving them equal wealth that can forever free, free black people from being an appendage of one party and ignored by the other party. It's as simple as that. It's and you know what it's interesting. Yeah, but former Vice President Biden, who is now obviously going to be the Democratic nominee, came out, I believe, yesterday, and you were supporting him. He said, the bottom line is this. Until there's a genuine economic justice, access to wealth, it's not going to fundamentally change police practices. And you said that you're pleased to hear the former vice president say that. Give me a little bit more. I I was not only pleased, I was shocked. And Tanya, you're you're, you're very intellectual on on, uh, matters. You mentioned the Japanese internment. You you know the history, and you mentioned John Conyers, the issue of reparations. Tanya, I'd ask you uh, to sort of go into your knowledge bank. Have you ever heard a white president, forget a white president, a white person, Say that the key to economic justice is access to the word wealth. I've heard Not access really. to jobs. I've heard access to education. I've heard access to housing. I have never heard the word access of wealth. And so mm-hmm. your viewers will understand. If you look at wealth, the reason I came up with the three hundred and fifty thousand dollars to go to every forty million black Americans descended of slaves is because it would take $350,000 in access to capital to get black Americans equal in wealth to median white families. And so I, that's why I said to the vice president, I hope he takes it to the next level because it is wealth that determines in a capitalistic society how you position yourself in terms of stature, confidence, control, access to rights. All of that comes in a capitalist society based on wealth. And so to me, it was fascinating to hear him talk about wealth. Now, this is a guy who uh, back in the day said, uh, I'll be damned if I will ever give a penny to anybody who I never did anything wrong to when asked about reparations. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, it's a monumental leap if you believe it to be true. But if you go to that video that was put out when his interview on The Shade Room, and Tanya, you read it correctly, and I put out a press release about it. He said exactly that. Yep, but that's what he said. That, that's now. where we are. But see, the way I looked at, the way I came up with that forty-three, tri- I mean that fourteen trillion, and people say, "Wow, that's a big number." Well, it's really not a big number. It's not a big number no, because you think about it. We here's what white America uh, provides to black Americans, and they do it with you know, okay, that's okay, we'll do that. You ask them for food stamps. Most food stamp money gets a percentage goes mm-hmm. to black people. Oh, we'll give them food stamps. Check that box. And you say, welfare. Oh, of course, we'll give them welfare. Check that box. Oh, uh, how about uh, low-income housing projects? Oh, check that box. Sure, we'll give them low-income housing programs. We'll check that box. Well, you will give them the uh, tax deduction for unearned income tax. They don't make enough money to pay taxes, so we'll assume they don't pay taxes, but we'll give them money because it's an unearned and tax credit. Check that box. They will do everything to implement paternalistic programs that allow them to control you 
But if you ask them to give them cash, if you ask them to give you cash, money where you are in control of your destiny, they won't do it. And I'll, I'll just say this and let you ask another question. I was on a show uh, talking about this with a, uh, a white uh, interviewer. And I told him about the cash money, that I didn't want programs like I just described. I wanted cash. Right. <laughs> His question to me, Tanya, was, uh, well, Bob, are you going to give them education on how to manage their money? Are you going to give the money to them without them having financial literacy training? I'm saying this is the problem. That's the White problem. people going to have money. And everybody's confident they're going to go out and buy a nice Thank house. You. They're going to send their kids to college. They're going to keep their neighborhood stable. They're going to be invested in business entrepreneurs. But the white American th- thought pattern in their DNA is you give black people money, they don't know how to handle it. They're going to waste yep. it. They're going to spend it on going to the liquor store. They're going to throw it away. It's that Negative DNA about African-Americans having the ability to decide their own destiny is what makes Joe Biden, we we're talking about VP Biden, say mm-hmm. on The Breakfast Club is if you even have to think about whether or not you're going to vote for me or not, you ain't black. The arrogance <laughs> of a white person to tell you that your thought pattern cannot deviate from voting for a 74-year-old white man. That is what keeps black people from being treated equally in a society because nobody believes we have the ability to decide for ourselves. Now you are okay. Let's let's pick up on that thought because right now they're talking about dismantling police departments. Um, here in Los Angeles, the mayor has said he's going to take 150 million dollars out of the police budget here, and this is happening all over the country. People are saying, okay, we're going to put this into, as you said, those programs back in the community. Um, I'm with you. We don't need another program. We need this cash. So all of that being said, as the police departments are changing or being dismantled or the budgets of money is being moved around for another program, isn't this some money that right now we ought to maybe go and say, you know what? Forget the programs. Let's take that $150 million here in Los Angeles and start this you're reparation. You're absolutely plan. right. Yeah, the mayor of L.A. would never say we're going to tear down the gates in Bel Air. We don't need the gates in Bel Air because, you know, there's not going to be any crime there. We don't need a problem. In fact, to help the people in Bel Air, we're going to give them social programs. We're going to build swimming pools in Bel Air. Right. We're going to provide, you know, nice, clean streets, and the uh, garbage collectors are going to pick up the street all the time. We're going to help the people in Bel Air go to school. The reason they don't do that is because the people in Bel Air have money. They don't need they the don't police need it. to be there. They got a 20-foot high gate, and they got a guard gate there. And so that, so my thing is, you dismantle the police and say we're going to do social programs. The only reason you need the social programs and the police is because black people don't have money to create a stable society where the husband and the wife now 
are comfortable that they got enough wealth to stay together for their family. They don't divorce. You don't get this single, huge single family, uh, head, female headed mm-hmm. household because people now have pride. The husband goes to work, he comes back with pride. The husband is an investor, is an entrepreneur, he's got pride. They don't fight over the poverty issues confronting him and they stay together. That's true. These are all things that are that white America has. And so if white America wants to say we're not white supremacists, write a check. And let me tell you what, just so you're mm-hmm. clear about the reparations proposal I put on the table. It's over 30 years that white Americans would pay each African-American descendant of slaves, some $40 million, $357,000. That amounts to about, over 30 years, $11,000 a year from, hmm. to be paid to by over 30 years. At the end of 30 years, it would sunset. And the other thing, if you do the math down, you take the total number of taxpayers, about 170, 80 million people who pay taxes. When you break that down to how much they'd have to give on a daily basis, it's $8 a day. Okay. From all the taxpayers, if you give $8 a day over mm-hmm. 30 years, it would equal $14 trillion. So there's the money we know. And we know, Bob, if anybody knows how to find the money, you know where you know how to do that. White people know they have the money because they're the net worth of a median income white family is one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. The median net worth of an African-American household is seventeen thousand dollars. So those people who understand mediums and means Mm -hmm. uh, is that means. 50% 50% of black people have more than $17,000. 50% of black people have less than $17,000. So that means 20 million African Americans out of 40 million have less than $17,000 in income. And all wow. we're asking white people to do is just pay $8 a day. Every taxpayer, $8 a day for the next 30 years that would be distributed to 40 million African-American descendants of brutal slavery, Jim Crow segregation, denial of economic rights, police brutality, police murder. You keep going. That's all we're asking. White Americans can't do that. They will love to get out and march and protest this. Ask them to give what they regard more precious in a capitalist society than anything else, than their sort of assuaging of their guilt from white supremacy is cash. Mm, I have never heard one liberal white person say, you know what, Bob is right. Let's stop putting out these posts on the internet and Instagram and everything else. Let's go what we value more than anything else, money. Because that's how we decide how popular, how dynamic we are, money. They put out the Forbes 400 list of the wealthiest white people. They put out right. all these lists about how much wealth people have. Ask them for money. Don't give it to the, you know, fine. If you want to give money to the Urban League, give it. You want to give it money to right. the Right, and that's what they're Legal doing. Defense that's Fund, exactly what's happening. Yeah. That's exactly say, what's happening right give now. Give this money to Mrs. Jones. So Mrs. Jones 
Don't have to worry about whether or not she can pay for early childhood education or a babysitter while she works. Mrs. Jones don't have to worry about whether or not she can fix her house when the house needs to be fixed. Give Mrs. Jones $350,000 over the next 30 years so she's equal to her white counterpart. And I guarantee you, people who are industrious, as black people are, people who are, have a strong moral fiber, as black people do from their church-going experience to their mm-hmm. beliefs, to people who want to succeed more than any other population in the country. More importantly, and last thing I'll say on this, there are no more people in the world who are as forgiving for past transgressions than black people. Oh, that's so true. And if oh, white Lord, people would just have the guts to say we're sorry, we want to atone, we want to give you $8 a day for the next 30 years, black people would sing hallelujah because mm-hmm. that's what they want. All you got to do is remember what happened in Charlottesville, uh, I mean in Charleston, South Carolina. Man walks in, kills nine black people in the church. Right. Black people go to make a statement as victims before the sentencing. The first thing out of their mouth is, you know, to the murderer. I forgive him. We forgive you. I forgive you. you. We forgive you. The same thing happened. The black woman, the police woman walks into the wrong house, thinks she's in her house, in the black man's house, kills the black man. The first thing the black man's brother says is to the judge. Your Honor, can I go over and hug her? And give her a hug. I know that that moment will stay in my mind forever. You are so right. Everybody, you're listening to Hollywood Live Extra. I'm Tanya Hart. Uh, talking to Bob Johnson, longtime friend. And uh, Bob, you know, this is obviously a conversation. And, and if there's anybody else in America, any other black person in America, you're the one to do this because you really did. You've always been concerned about the black community. Not only that, you created black entertainment television, which for the last 40 years has employed black people and given black folks, you know, I mean, obviously you don't own it now, but it really gave a lot of people their start. My first big show was on your network. So we appreciate you for that. So in going forward, I mean, at least here's the good news. Joe Biden has said this. You've come out and said that you can can really appreciate him saying this when he is elected, because whatever happens here, Donald Trump has got to be herded out of the White House. When Joe Biden is elected, I would expect that perhaps why doesn't he put you in his cabinet? And then maybe we can get this done. Should we? Is that where we want to go with this? Is that well, what you would well, like to do? I don't want to work for the government, so <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that, that proposal was out. But but your proposal is to, to black to your to your listeners, to your many listeners, is this: don't wait until he's in the White House, because at that point he's got your vote. He's got the power of the, of the president. You've got to go to Vice President Biden's campaign and the Vice President himself. Put this in the platform at the convention. Yep. Okay. That your position of access to wealth. He he said it like you said it is. You know let you know the bottom line is unless you have access to equal justice. Equal justice is a synonym for reparations. Mm-hmm. Equal mm-hmm. justice is. is the same thing for. Economic justice, he said economic justice, excuse me, economic justice is the same as reparations. And then he went on to saying access to wealth. And you don't get wealth. You can get, when you have a job, you have income. 
Wealth is when you, uh, and trust me, I know, wealth is when you're making you money when you sleep. <laughs> That's you. We call That's it the passive. The difference between passive income and wealth. Right. And, and that's well, what yeah, white I call people it have. Income. They take their mm-hmm. money, they invest in the stock market, they invest in hedge funds, they invest it in bonds. They are making money when they are asleep. They buy mm-hmm. businesses and companies. And we're the biggest consumers in terms of how much we spend for the consumption. Yes, we are. And, and the final thing I, I would say on this, and what white people, they understand it, they know it, and, and because I have an understanding of business and economics and monetary policy, they, they understand that black people are the highest consumers in the country, which means literally they spend more of their money on consumption and less on saving. That's why we're undersaved in, the, in, the, uh, in, in retirement income and we're underinvested in the stock market because we spend it on immediate material consumption. So if white people, and they know this, if they were to admit it, they know that of that $14 trillion, Tanya, over 30 years, 80% of it would go right back into white businesses. That's true. I mean, that's the other side of this that we haven't even gotten to. Uh, Bob, you know, we, like I said, we love and appreciate you. We're going to continue this conversation. I know you'll be around and ready. And I'm so certain that, uh, you know, you've been in the press a lot this week and last week talking about this. So this is not a conversation that's going to go away, just like I do believe that the protests aren't going away. I mean, they're all over the world. Everybody is saying, George Floyd's name. Now we're going to add to his name. Let's put reparations behind that. And not only that, just so everybody knows, we're about to show Dark Passages again that uh, Bob and we did that back in 1990. It's about the Atlantic slave trade and how this actually happened. So uh, looking forward to that. We'll work that out as well, Bob. But uh, thank you so much. And we do appreciate yeah, please, you. Please, please invite me back. I'd love to keep this going. But I, it, Oh, it's, we are. I, I, I would say for all of the things that we have to do politically, I, my favorite word in terms of a song from uh, the great Bob Marley is song, Redemption Song, which basically talks about what we've faced over the years in terms of slavery to where we are today. Is one phrase... And one lyric in that song, it says, and this is something black people need to embrace now and forever. It says, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Only Mm -hmm. ourselves can free our mind. Mm -hmm. That is where we need to be. If anything that I say, George Floyd's uh, memory should embrace, emancipate ourselves from the mental slavery that keeps us under the control of an oppressive system that for over 200 plus, 300 plus years have professed equality, but have denied us equality. Oh, but we're going to get it now. I'm so sure. Bob Johnson, thank you. Come back anytime. In fact, we may call you soon because we are going to keep this going. This is something that that I've always been a proponent of. And, uh, you know, obviously you have too, and you've done very well. We've all been blessed, but but we we need our reparations. I'm just going to put it out there. We need reparations because you're right. It, it, we will yeah, not be it, on it, an it, equal Reparations is monetary. That's make you whole. That's what you call damages for what you, what you suffered. But the, right. but the thing 
thing that I believe and the thing that I have said most of all is reparations is not just for the atonement of past sins, but making you know, sort of making you whole. But really, and I think white America needs this as much, if not more, than black America. But it is to cause the nation to live up to what was once called, and what once we all believe, was something called American exceptionalism. That we are so mm-hmm. great a nation that we can be exceptional beyond all other nations on the globe. That was something that, you know, the so-called greatest generation went to war for. Yeah. But today, we are not an exceptional nation, and we never will be as long as we are incapable of apologizing and atoning for sin that has been the stain on this nation since its founding. And so that's what I say. Yep. I call the American to embrace ex- American exceptionalism. But Okay. That, yeah. that sounds like a good plan. So, Bob, uh, again, we're going to call you back because you know what else we want to get into? And, and it, we don't have enough time right now. But, you know, looking at the reconciliation that they did in South Africa when they when that changed over. So that's another topic that kind of fits into this. In the meantime. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good topic <laughs> to discuss because it, it, it goes with what I believe from a historical standpoint of view. It, you know, the, the argument, it, the, the theory goes like this. There are no such thing as great men. There are great events that ordinary men rise up to challenge. President Mandela was an ordinary man who rose to a great challenge. And when he walked out of Robbins Island prison, the first thing he did, you want to talk about atonement, the first person he invited to his inauguration was the jail guard who watched over him for some, you know, 15 plus years yeah. in Robbins Island. There you that, have it. That's the ability to face up to something that he knew that unless white Africanists and black Africans, South Africans, could come to some level of forgiveness and atonement, that nation was doomed. Yep. And he and, did that, recognize that. White America. And he stepped up in it, yeah. And that's need what white America recognize that. Black leaders need to recognize that, not block themselves into one party. Be a, a, a balance of power between both parties and make both parties stand up for what is right and what is in the best interest of black Americans. And so, yeah, I'd love to talk about it anytime yeah. you want. Yeah. Okay, we'll call you back. Thank you so much, Bob. And for everybody else out there listening, don't forget to uh, download and subscribe to the AURN app. Also, you can find Hollywood Live Extra on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. Make sure you download all of these because you don't want to miss any of them. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review. I'm Tanya Hart. This is Hollywood Live Extra. Hollywood Live Extra, a product of American Urban Radio Networks.